Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Adaday. I've been loving their BioZoom, a portable myofascial release device, essentially a massage therapy gun. In these times when I'm not able to see my chiropractor for ART or other manual therapies, the BioZoom definitely hits the spot, pun intended, of course. BioZoom is designed to help with recovery and can target specific areas of the body in different ways with one of the five attachments designed for tissue-specific treatments. Quieter than the other therapy guns out there, I love using mine while sitting on the couch relaxing or honestly, even while on a Zoom call. You can get your own at adaday.com and use the code FTLR15, that's one five, to save 15%. And welcome back. I have Mary Johnson joining me today. Mary, thanks uh, thanks for joining in. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. So we've wanted to do this podcast for about as long as I've had this podcast. And we kept saying, <laughs> yeah. it'll happen at Boston, it'll happen at whatever, it'll happen at this. And then we just gave up and uh, here we are. I know. I had to take a pandemic to bring us together. <laughs> Virtually. All right. So before we get, yeah, literally, um, before we get too far, uh, who is Mary? I am a running coach. I'm a business owner. I am an athlete. I am a mom. Um, I'm insane. Like I, I'm insane. <laughs> um, I I, yeah, that's that's who I am. And I'm also possibly saying that I'm insane because it's like we're in the middle of a quarantine. So that's kind of I'm, – I'm just projecting how I feel. Got it. We'll get into that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've known each other for like five, six years now. And um, I think we've only actually seen each other like, I don't know, a half dozen times. But those – all have been like massive highlights. We've run 20 miles together. We've done trail racing. Um, I think we, we've done a couple of 20 miler or one was a 20 miler. One was a half marathon where you dusted me in the last 5k. Uh, and it remains my, my PR. So thank you for that one. But, um, enough about me over to you. Um, so you have been running for a while now and I want to know, how did you, how did you get into it? Yeah, it's really crazy because I felt like for a while I was like, I'm just a beginner and I'm definitely not anymore. And we're at that stage with running where I'm, I've been doing it for a while. I, my first marathon was 10 years ago, which is crazy. Um, so I started in high school. Uh, you get out of gym class if you joined a team. So I joined uh, indoor track and um, ended up really liking it. And I ended up quitting the lacrosse team the next year as a result, or sorry, the next season as a result of enjoying my time on the track team. And then I went to row crew in college and, but I always had that like running thing. So I wasn't, you know, I, I'd caught the bug for sure when I was in high school. <clears throat> and then it wasn't until after college when, um, I was just in the throes of my job and, um, partying that, I was like, I'm just going to sign up for a marathon so I can start having structure in my life again. Cause that's what a rational person thinks. And <laughs> I signed up for the Philly marathon in 2010 and I ran it on like <laughs> ridiculous training. Like, I, I mean, I know it. I mean, the running community was not what it is today, or at least from a social media perspective, it was not. And so I just had this like choppy training plan and I kind of followed it and I finished my first marathon. And then, um, it took, I kind of did sink back into the, the job behavior, like the partying job and like I would gain weight and just kind of not stick to working out in fitness and what's, which is crazy because I had been a collegiate athlete. So I was definitely in this kind of like yo-yo place and mentally too. I think um, it's something that isn't discussed often is like when collegiate athletes leave that structure, it's very confusing and hard and depressing. And I had signed up for a marathon, but then like went back to the blah. And so that's kind of where I was. And then finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to qualify for the Boston Marathon and I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to train the right way. I'm going to 
you know, follow the directions. I'm going to eat the right things. I'm going to maybe get a GPS watch. And I, I did it. And over the course of six months, it completely transformed my entire life. And at the end of this, I ran New Jersey in 2013 and, um, I did qualify. And my coach at the time was like, well, do you want to keep going or do you want to just, you know, go back to the old ways? And I was like, I can't. So I thought about it. I was like, I could just like hang out and not do much. And I realized that I really couldn't because my life had been so transformed by the structure that had returned that I had created for the first time. So it, running for me was a way of just structure and happiness and reaching goals and um, eventually connecting with people. That's awesome. So that was 2013. Your first marathon, you said it was 2010. 10 years later, um, you've run a handful of marathons. You've gotten uh, a lot faster. And uh, now your profession is also running and fitness and performance. So let's, uh, how did, how did that come about? How did you go from, um, working full-time to working full-time at a desk job to working full-time, uh, in, in the industry? I think the desk job was never, it was something I enjoyed, but it wasn't my passion. And I was in fashion. So I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. You know, if I were to have a desk job, it would be a fashion desk job. And then by the end, I was interested in getting married and starting a family. And um, from a location standpoint, where my husband and I, eventual husband and I um, ended up wanting to be was Connecticut. And so f- I felt a bit constrained from a location perspective, like to work in the fashion industry, you do have to be close to, you know, New York or a place that has a, a, like a retail HQ. And so, um, ultimately I did get a job, um, where I was commuting uh, probably about 90 minutes each way. Um, when we, when I was living in Connecticut, um, And I don't know, like that started the deterioration of my happiness for sure, because commuting three hours a day is soul crushing. Um, And I also just realized like I wasn't passionate about what I was doing and I could do it and it was fine. Um, But I've always had this like in the back of my head, the passion for understanding training. And I loved, like I was that jerk athlete in college who always challenged my coach and our strength coach. And I was always like, why are we doing this? What are we doing? Why is this workout like it is? Like I was always that person. And so um, I think it was a bit inherent that like I would pursue a path like this. And as it turned out, by the end of my um, career in fashion, Um, Yes, I wasn't happy with the commute and all of that, but I was starting to think, well, what if I made a total life change? And I started looking into PT school. I started thinking about personal training and I never like I ultimately got laid off. So I didn't have to make the decision myself. It was made for me, which was the biggest blessing of my life. Um, And ultimately, I decided PT school would be a bit just too expensive. And, um, from a time perspective, it didn't make sense. And I realized I could get a lot of fulfillment from coaching. So that's the path I decided to go down. And now I'm doing that full time, which is just a, it's for sure a dream. Like I work harder than I've ever worked in my life, but it's also like, I, I really love what I'm doing. And so it's, it doesn't, Like, you know, that whole saying, you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do. And I do feel that way because I work so, so hard, but like, I, I also really love what I do. I love the, the, you know, making lemonade story there. Like you took something that many people would interpret to be shitty getting laid off and, and leapfrogged forward as a result. And it seems like over the last few years, you've been able to take these um, steps backward. And and my, the analogy I like to use is like, it's a slingshot. You take a few steps backward and then you leap forward. And it seems like you, you've done that over and over again with with injuries and setbacks and, and this layoff. Um, so I want to know, like, where did that, where does that resiliency come from? 
Oh gosh, that's we could get very deep. <laughs> Go for it. You said you have you have as much time as you need. <laughs> um, I mean, I like. Oh God, I I think I had to figure a lot out growing up. Um, and no one's ever asked this on a podcast, so this is very deep. Um. Yeah. I, so my parents are divorced. They got divorced when I was in seventh grade. Um, and I, I just kind of went through high school and the rest of middle school figuring stuff out for myself. And, um, I, I mean, I don't have a lot in common with either of my parents. I was the kid come high school who was begging to join the soccer team, which I was horrible at. (laughs) I could run. That was like my, that was my saving grace is by the end of the season, I was like the fittest, but, um, I was just ball, my ball maneuvering skills were awful. Um, but yeah, I think I just, because my parents got divorced, my, my brother is five years older than me. So he went to college. So I, I really kind of went through high school and a new high school. So I was a new kid. I just kind of figured it out for myself. And, um, I, ever since I was a little girl, I would get these ideas in my head and I would just go after it. And so like, I remember I had, I had an American girl doll collection and I never wanted to take their hair out because I thought it would make them like worth less in the future. If I ever wanted to sell them, like what little girl thinks that? I don't know. I do. (laughs) So when I say I'm insane, (laughs) There, an entrepreneur. There's, there's like a little <laughs> peek into that. Um, so yeah, I think I've just, I've always had to like figure it out. Um, and I've, especially cause my parents were never into the athletic thing. And I, I was always so excited about it. I was like, I want to go run. I want to go play. I want to go kick a ball around. And it was never really encouraged. I actually was in, I was in a couple plays and I was in a, actually in like a traveling children's chorus. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, again, it, I kind of relate that those experiences to my experience in fashion where sure I was doing it, but I didn't love it. I've always loved like the movement part of things and being active and going outside. And, um, so I think how that speeds up to now is, you know, I've done everything from, uh, like the, the fashion world was a bit, it, it, I, it happened because I, you know, started an internship fell into my lap and I started pursuing that path and it worked. And I've never really had to make the decision of like, what do I do? What do I want to do? Right? Like, I think we go through life, a lot of us, and, you know, we have all this structure, we go through high school and then we go to college we go to college and then we get that internship. And then we take the internship, we go to get a job. And it's kind of this track that's made for us more or less. And so I did have to figure that out for myself. Um, but I think finally when it came time to doing what I want, like when it was a hard, like, nope, you're not welcome at this company anymore. When it was like that type of firm layoff, I, it was for the first time in my life where I was like, shit, like, what am I going to do now? I guess I have to do what I really want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, that's, that's kind of how I landed in that situation. And I, made a timeline for myself. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for like, I've always been very pragmatic. I've, so I said, all right, I'm going to have a timeline for when I'm going to, you know, learn, I'm going to have a timeline for, um, you know, the next step for talking with professionals and learning about their industry. And then by this time I'm going to, um, I'm going to figure it out or or at least get a job where I'm getting paid. Even if it's a waitress, you know, I'm going to start earning my, my inkeep by September or whatever. So, um, that's kind of like how I started the, the, the transition, so to speak. Cool. So fast forward a few years, live, run, perform. Uh, let's talk about that. What about that? <laughs> what for those that don't know what what is Live Run Perform? Live Run Perform is a online running and coaching business. Um, we are a collective of coaches who support and um, you know it. Just apart from racing, we support, we encourage, and we give runners training. And I, I'm going to sound very. David Rochi, um, who is 
for all those listening, our coach, but like we give them love and we give them unconditional support. And that's kind of what our mission is, is to help people, yes, get faster and go faster and move faster and everything that entails around running, but also just to support them through all of the seasons that come with running itself, which in this crazy pandemic, we've seen a lot of really positive things come from it because we've had athletes, you know, go through some really, really hard stuff and they've, you know, been able to tell us about it and it's strengthened some relationships and it's been pretty cool to be a part of that. It only took us 14 minutes to, to have the first David Roche mentioned, which is, is actually faster than I was expecting, but yeah. uh, we'll get to that. So one of the things that, that um, Live Run Perform has done that I love was the Breaking Three project. Was that last fall? Yep, last fall. So, so last fall, it was a group of women that all had the goal of Breaking Three and everyone did it at the, or planned to do it at the same race. So talk to me about that. Where did that, where did that idea come from? And then what was it like to be a part of that journey? The idea came from, and, and and frame that and let's frame it within the context of, um, what was going on in your life at the time. So the idea of breaking three came about, um, when I was trying to break three, um, I had one or two very close training buddies that I was running with. And it was just the best experience is to run alongside someone going for the same goal. It's the best experience. You work with each other, you support each other, you encourage each other. Um, in fact, actually at my first marathon, I met one of my very best friends at Philo- at, at the Philadelphia Marathon in 2010 um, at the starting line. And we like turned to each other and we were like, is this your first marathon? Yeah. And we ended up running 21 miles together. And then, and then she, um, we laugh about it now, but she was fueling with fiber one bars. (laughs) 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 And that sounds shitty. It was a not, yeah, it was a shitty situation. So we broke apart and it was really, it was, it's very sad, but, um, social media, um, I went and found her and we got reconnected through social media and we became friends and, um, I was in her wedding a year ago and she's just one of the best people in my entire life. I absolutely love her. So, um, anyway, this idea of running alongside someone is just very special. And so, um, I thought, well, well, let's do it virtually. We do everything virtually these days. Um, and then I, Lauren Flores, is who um, was a coach with LRP at the time, you know, she had kind of been bubbling the same idea as well. And she was like, well, why don't we do something like this together? And so we, we banded together. We got a group of women. Um, we asked for applications. We got a few sponsors and we went for it. We, we made it a 20 week program. We wanted to attack, um, you know, that three hour barrier. But then obviously along the way, we did address the whole concept of like, well, guess what guys, we're going to do our very best and we're, we're going to do our damn hardest to break three. But if we don't like, that's okay. And so there were a lot of like really great moments that we had as a team along the way. And then, um, we tried this goal at the the Indy monumental marathon in November. And, um, as it turned out five out of, um, nine, broke three. Um, and then all of them PR'd. And then I think just about everyone was very, very, very close to breaking three. So it was a very emotional day. Um, and, uh, the idea just stemmed from, you know, doing it with a team and I was going through an injury at the time. Um, oh wait, wait, I was pregnant. Okay. (laughs) I can't keep it straight. I mean, I was injured, then pregnant, then injured. Uh, I mean, who the heck knows? Yeah. So I had a kid. Um, oh yeah. Like during <laughs> when, when training kicked off, I was like having a baby. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, well, yeah, so that happened and he, he's amazing. <laughs> I have a son. Um, but, but yeah, so the, the day itself was just, it was, it was incredible to be like, I, it was the first day since I had run a marathon myself that I had felt like I had just com- competed with a team of people or like I had just, I had run a freaking marathon and it was so rewarding and incredible. And the bond that these women made with each other through, and not just like 
through the program, but like through those 26 miles, the first time they met, we had lunch the day before and that was the first time they all met each other. And so, um, we gave them a race plan. We, we actually gave them each a, a, a buddy to run with. Um, and we gave them a plan and we said, you know, you have your buddy to look out for and, um, you two are going to work together. And then of course, like there was the, the underlying agreement if like your buddy was having a good or bad day, like you had to let them go. Um, and yeah, it was, a uh, it was really pretty cool to be part of and to lead. Is that the, the Shalane Flanagan clause? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I love that. I love that story. Um, and I love that project and it's, it was cool to follow along with. Um, and I think that, I think that the, the barriers or standards you put in place for the application process are important to highlight as well. There are a lot of people and, and Peter Bromka gets a shout out here again. I reference him every time, you know, the, the goal setting thing comes up. He said that people come to him all the time. They're like, Peter, I want to break three or Peter, I want to, I want to, you know, BQ. And he's like, you need two years, three years, four years before you can do this. It's not a six month goal. It's not something that like, I just need to believe it's like, no, No, (laughs) you just need a, you just need like a, a a couple of years of base and then believe. Yeah. Um, so what did what did you require that um, that these women had prior to being accepted to this group? Because I think it's helpful for people to hear that um, that even even to sign up to do such a thing, like you need to be in a certain condition. Right. So the requirements were a three hundred eight marathon um, and a one one twenty seven one twenty eight half, and I think. Um, yeah. 308 for sure. Lauren and I changed the half at one point. Um, but besides just the numbers, we also asked some provoking questions about their training histories. Um, and I really, I mean, I truly do think that, so we got some really incredible talented applications. Um, and some of the questions that we asked were just about where they were, with their training in general. And that topic of, yes, like, you know, we're building and building, building. This isn't just like, I'm going to break three tomorrow um, is really important. And that's actually something that we addressed with the women in the group a couple of times because we were like, guys, you are all part of this group because you are experienced marathoners and you didn't come here. There's there's one girl out of college who it was her first marathon, um, but she had shown a lot of success herself through shorter distances, including the half. So, um, it was indicative of like a potential sub three. And, um, you know, we, we said that to the women and, and in light of leading to the point that, Hey, you guys are experienced. You've been doing this stuff for a while, for years. And in order for you to get to the next level, you really have to unwrap this final 1% of your training. And we're talking like, you need to, you need to eat, breathe and live the sub three. And I know it's probably going to sound crazy, but you have to fucking do it. And that means go to sleep on time, recover, eat really nutrient dense foods. We, we, um, had all of them meet with a dietitian, eat nutrient dense foods, fuel on your run, make your manual therapy appointments. Like you need to treat your bodies like a temple because you're about to go do something that you've never done in your life. And yes, that sounds intense and crazy for somebody who hobby jogs, like we do this for fun, but like, (laughs) right. Like I, again, I sound insane. However, I'll be jogging a 651 pace. I love it. (laughs) However, you know, if if this is what we want to do, we're going to do it together. And this is your shot. Like, let's do it. And that's, you got here from the years of training, but what's going to get you to break it is that last 1%. And so we really focused on that a lot during the course of the, of the 20 weeks, because they, that was all they needed to do is like focus on themselves, staying healthy, staying, you know, keeping each intention with each workout, whether it was a recovery run, keeping it to a slow chill recovery run or the workout, um, and then executing. So I, I think that's something, 
I don't even – I actually thought that I coined this whole 1% thing myself. And then I was reading Atomic <laughs> Habits by James Clear. And I was like, damn it, James Clear. Like, I thought this was my idea. So there goes that idea. Next time. I know. When was your last marathon? Um, my last marathon was Philly 2016. And it, what's it like? Ha- I was just going to say it was a Go shitty ahead. time. <laughs> and what's it like having four years in between Mm. now and then i mean it's very intimidating to think about another one because i'm not the same person that i was in 2016 in many ways from my body to having a baby to my work experiences um So I think I just want to run a marathon and like execute, enjoy the hell out of it. And yes, time, time goals are very important to me still, but, um, I, none of, so I ran three marathons in 2016, which was incredibly dumb. And, um, (laughs) I started with a PR, it started with a bang and it went downhill from there and I should not have done the other two. And, um, one thing that I'll actually be super transparent about is, um, we were in the process of thinking about starting a family and the family planning and, um, each marathon was uh, like, Oh, let's just do one more. And, you know, lo and behold, that actually totally wrecked my body. And it's something that I see with a lot of my athletes not a lot, but I I think some people like women don't talk about it of like, you know, we're not professional runners. We do this for fun and we do this because we love it. However, it is our body to, you know, and we're, we're creating life and that does take up a couple years. I mean, nine months then plus the healing. So I think, um, for me, I just kept wanting one more try before, having the baby. And, and what I didn't know is that nothing changes after you have the baby. In fact, you're going to be probably stronger after you have your baby. Um, but I was so scared for the unknown and I was clinging to what I knew. And ultimately, ultimately I got a pretty bad disc injury and, you know, spent a year and a half figuring out what was wrong, spent another few months rehabbing, then got kind of healthy and then got pregnant and then had to kind of rehab some more back stuff off of the pregnancy. And so I'm now feeling really, really good and really strong. And so all I really want is to run and be happy and feel like a badass. Like I want to execute a marathon. Well, even the, even my PR marathon wasn't very, I mean, it was very hot. So I like, you know, it was the hottest. That was Boston 2016. Yeah, it was awful. It was 80 by like mile 10. It was not good. Um, so I don't like, I haven't run a a joyful marathon in a long time. So that's kind of what I, I, that's like my goal is to like run, feel like a badass, feel healthy, feel happy. How are you going to do it? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, will races ever happen again? Who knows? Um, (laughs) I have signed up for CIM. You've heard it here first. Uh, I've, I've actually DNS'd CI, CIM twice. Uh, first in 2014 because of an injury, I believe. And then I DNS'd in 2018 because I was um, pregnant. Um, so it's t- like third time's a charm. However, <laughs> maybe a pandemic will stop it this time. Who the heck knows? Um, but yeah, so maybe I'll do it there. Um, and if I don't, that's okay. Um, but I'm just enjoying training and being strong. And, um, I, I totally, um, so I think the back stuff that I was experiencing, I think I, I started to get better and I was running healthy and then I got pregnant and I mean, pregnancy really just throws everything out of whack from a hip and back perspective. So, um, who knows if my postpartum injury was like a, a residual effect of, you know, what happened in 2016, 2017, um, or if it was the pregnancy, 
we'll never know. It's all, it's all connected, right? Like your body is, this is the thing, right? The, the older we get, your body is a temple. Like it's, it's going through these things. The older I get, I'm like, oh my God, I, I did fall when I was like 25 and hurt my wrist. And now it's coming back to knit me in the butt. Like it's, this stuff doesn't, I mean, you, you got to take care of your body. So, um, so anyway, I've, that's really been my focus is like, yeah, I want to do the marathon, but, um, I just want to, I've been focusing on being strong and feeling good when no one wants to run in pain. So. Yeah. I think the, I think the joy and, um, uh, enjoyment of it and love for the journey is, is what it takes. Um, I was doing a little reflecting on this on Twitter about the podcast I hit 200,000 listens this morning. So thank you everyone who's tuned in. But what I was, the time clock. But when I finally saw that two on the clock, it was like, oh my God, that was the best, the best feeling ever. But even if it wasn't a two or a three or a four or whatever, um, it was like, that's the icing on the cake. And it was exactly like what you said that, you know, you're looking for that, that like, I felt like a badass and I felt like, uh, I could do anything and, and just being there was a win. And so I totally, uh, totally agree with what you're saying in terms of the goal perspective being like, I just want to feel good out there. Um, and I love that. I mean, we do it because we love it. And to go after, Again, like this whole idea of racing being the icing on the cake is something that was introduced to me by David Roach. And like, it's very true. Like we spend 98% of this running journey training. And, you know, I think many, many people are like, oh, the training is my favorite part. But we're all now seeing with COVID what happens when the races are actually taken away from us. (laughs) How do you feel now? (laughs) Um, Right. And I, I do think it's, it's like illuminating some very interesting things. Like, you know, the people who really are results driven are having a very hard time with this. Whereas the people who are, who have already made the decision that they love this process and the hell with races, like, I think they're having a little bit of an easier time. Um, you know, it's not an easy time for anyone, but yeah, I think this whole, the whole concept of, of going out and just feeling awesome. That's, that's what I'm like, I'm craving it so badly. (laughs) So that's why I'm running right now. But you're doing it. You, you did a 10 miler for the first time in, in how long recently? Oh gosh. Like, you know, I think I ran 10 or 12 when I was pregnant. Um, but it never, for anyone who's been pregnant, it's like sipping out of a straw. You can't breathe. (laughs) Um, so I ran, I think I ran one 10 or 12 miler when I was pregnant and that's it. So yeah, I've now run two weekends of 10 miles. Um, and I actually just ran a eight, I was told to go out and just enjoy the run and just do it like for whatever pace. And, um, I just had a really awesome run two days ago and it was again, like I, I, I was a badass run, right? Like we can coin that term. They heard the badass runs where I finished and I was like, oh, that was freaking awesome. Um, So it's starting to come back for sure. Um, I think, but it took, I mean, it's taken so long and it's still like distances above, goodness. I mean, I'll say 12 miles still scare the crap out of me because it's been four years. So yeah, it's going to be mentally, I think, tough to, you know, get to that place, but you know, whatever. I'm in it. I'm doing it. That's all you can do. Thanks again to Adaday for sponsoring this episode. I love their massage therapy gun called BioZoom, especially in these days when I can't see my Cairo for regular body work. BioZoom is designed to help with recovery and can target any specific sore spots with one of the five attachments designed for different parts of the body. It's super easy to use right out of the box and has definitely helped with any muscular aches and pains that have popped up over the last few months. Grab yours at adaday.com, like add a day with code FTLR15 to save 15%. What's what's the shift been like for you working with David compared to some of the more um, technical coaches you've worked with in the past? Um, 
so from a workout perspective, the the concept of effort only has been new um, and wonderful. Um, I think especially because I'm at the point where I know how my body feels. Um, so I, I, I kind of know how to pace myself. Like I, I'm familiar with paces, of course, but, um, you know, if you go out and tell me to do 10 by a minute on a minute off, I know, you know, how I should be feeling. And so, and, and, and also the acknowledgement that like, if I'm having an off day, it's totally fine to not sandbag, but like, it's, it's going to be okay if your paces are 10. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I think from like a complete logistical standpoint, just being effort-based is a very new concept to me, which is also really kind of, I mean, I, I coach, I do coach effort-based for sure. Um, and in fact, there's one woman in particular that I coach who has totally thrived off of it. And it's really cool to see. Um, so I believe, I believe in the concept of effort-based training entirely. Um, but I would say a majority of the pe- people I coach myself are pace-based. So I'm excited to go through an entire cycle doing effort-based and see where it yields me. Um, so that's new. I think also the concept of just like being able to add a mile here or there if you're feeling it or subtract it here or there just because you're feeling it like that openness for flexibility in your schedule is, um, new with David, um, within reason he, he tells you when he doesn't want it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and he's been a little angry at me sometimes. He might Um, be listening right now. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm sorry. No, I, I really do listen to him like 99.9% of the time. Um, and the time I didn't listen to him, I ended up injured. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Yeah, no. The, actually, this past week, it was like my first, like, I need to listen to David Roach moment. Um, like, really listen to him because I um, I actually ran my 10 miles and my Achilles was kind of like, eh, like, I don't like you. Um, and I told him and he was like, all right, let's just take a couple days off and then drop the workout Wednesday. And I was like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> and he was like, yes. <laughs> and, um, and, and I did, and I feel fine now. Like I feel completely fine. And I know that if I just, if I ran, like I basically took my first day off. And then by the second day I was like, I'm fine, David, can I run? He said, no. And I said, okay, fine. And then by the time Wednesday came around, I was like, well, I should be able to do the workout. He's like, no. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Okay. So the the this obvious like great thing about this is I feel 100% fine now. Whereas I think if I had done something along the way and I didn't listen to him, I would not be saying that. So um so yeah, that I think the trust too is is um I ha- I just have it with David. I've it's taken a while when I've worked with other coaches for me to like get to that point and with David, I just really trust him a lot. And I think that is because he does offer this unconditional support and he's really freaking good at what he does. Um, and he just has my best interest in mind. And that's the most important thing as an athlete is somebody who just gives a shit and really just wants me to be okay. Definitely. And I think the long-term focus is, um, totally. is something he's helped me prioritize. And I know both of us have struggled in the past with rest and rest days. And you've been a big proponent of rest day brags and um, and talking about the importance of, you know, honoring your body and giving it the kind of um, recovery that it needs. But I know for both of us, it hasn't always been that way. So how did you get from from where you are now or how did you get from there to where you are now where like you're able to take a couple of days off and like the world's not ending um, <laughs> i mean I maybe to... maybe the world is ending but it's separate no, from the running no i actually really love i love rest days let's just be clear i love them i i'm one of those people that loves taper like i'm very lazy <laughs> i love <laughs> not moving um, like if I don't have to, um, but, but yeah, I think like the concept of like, oh, it's just a day off. It's not a big deal. That definitely, um, like I think, you know, being pregnant and working out through pregnancy 
was like the ultimate test of how much do you love it? You know what I mean? Because no one's making you work out through pregnancy. You're not going to be fit when you work out when you're pregnant. Like you're working out through pregnancy because you want to feel healthy and you want to feel happy and you want to move and you want to be joyful. And if you, if there is a day where I was just, Oh, I'm tired and don't want to move. I didn't move. And guess what? I worked out through my pregnancy. It didn't mean that I, you know, wasn't able to have a healthy experience. Um, you know, wonderfully, my son was born fine. I was fine. And, you know, whether that's, a tribute to me working out or not. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, so going through pregnancy and, and just going through like really, I, you don't have to work out, but you choose to. And so that mindset now with training is applicable. And then from a rest perspective, like if, if you don't rest, like you're not going to be able to train. And that's probably the biggest message of like how I've gotten to this place is like, if you just, take a day or two, like it's going to be better. Whereas, especially now I'm finding a much easier time having that mindset with the long-term goals because it's like, I want a long-term goal and it's only going to happen if I make the right choices now. Like when I started running off of having a baby, it was like the, it was like 10 minute runs for weeks and then 15 minute runs for weeks. And I remember being so pissed off because I was like, nothing felt better. Nothing felt easier. And David said, um, it's the little things that you do now is what's going to make your, your bigger runs happen later. And that's just something I always repeated to myself. Like it's these little 10 minute shitty runs now that like will make the eight, 10, 12 milers feel awesome. And he's right. Definitely. So we've talked about the goal of breaking three um, and the long-term approach. We've also talked about some trail goals you have. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. I would love to go into the ultra <laughs> space. I just, my uncle, um, Uncle Bob. <laughs> um, uncle Bob. I love Uncle Bob so much. <laughs> uncle Bob is, is a legend. Um, so Uncle Bob is... 61 or 62. He ran 200 miles on his 60th birthday. Who's nuts. And so this theme of like the instability of my family, it's coming through. Um, so yeah, uncle Bob is, has wait, been wait, all- before, go ahead. No, say what you're go going to say. I was going to say, before we go too far away from uncle Bob, I wanted to give a quick little story, but it sounded like you were talking about uncle Bob, but anyway, I was out at uh, way too cool. Yeah, in you should tell the story. Awesome. Um, I love this story. So I was at way too cool. I think it was 2018 or maybe it was 2019. Anyway, um, it was 2019. So I'm standing at the finish line. It's pouring rain. There's mud everywhere. And this dude comes like hauling in. He's got mud all over his face, all over his body. I mean, um, Claire Gallagher, who won, who won the race that day said she was, you know, fording rivers to get through, <laughs> to get through the race course. Cause there was so much water on it. So picture uncle Bob coming through, um, into the finisher shoot, which is a giant mud pile. <laughs> and, um, he, he just starts like shouting and he just, he just like slides into home right into this mud pile. And I happened to like be quick on the trigger and like took a bunch of photos and I posted them to Instagram and Mary was like, oh my God, that's, that's uncle Bob. <laughs> and, and I met uncle Bob. <laughs> I mean, so that's, so that's random. who uncle Bob is here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so that, and I had to, I had to like some, cause you can barely see his bib. So then I did a little, like before I even texted you, I was like, what is the bib? And then I kind of figured out the number and it didn't match uncle Bob's number. And I was like, I think that's my uncle Bob, John. And you're like, yeah, I met him. I know he's awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uncle Bob has been running ultras and trail races for quite some time. Um, he actually, so the reason I, and I didn't mention this, but the reason I've signed up for CIM so often is because uncle Bob and his wife live at mile 13 of the CIM, um, race. 
So like, it's always been the plan that like, we're going to go over there. My aunt Marcy is going to drive me to the starting line. I've run the first half of the course before when I visited them. Um, so like, I'm also very keen on having like a low key chill, enjoyable, like again, with a theme of like enjoying it. Like, I just want to go and like see my family and staying at their house is a very familiar, comforting thing for me. So anyway, I digress. Uncle Bob has been doing um, ultras for a while. He's always been pushing me to doing them. Um, and I've always, like, before I ran, I was like, no, you're crazy. And now I'm like, yeah, let's do ultras. <laughs> um, so I don't, you know, he he will go and do 200 races, 200 mile races through the Italian Al- Alps. And I'm not sure I'll ever do that. But um I would love to run. Um, I, you know, there is a part of me that just wants to sign up for a hundred miler because it's kind of like my urge for signing up for the marathon where like, I didn't even, I hadn't even run a half. Like I was like, Oh, f, f it. I'm going to do the marathon. Like, that's kind of how I feel about the hundred miler. What? I love that. They're, they're so, so I, that was my experience also like signing up for a marathon was my first race yeah. and I've only met like five other people who have, who have gone that route. So yeah, that's awesome. no, that was my first race of my life. And I, <laughs> I you know, I'm actually had, that's a lie. That's a, that's a lie. I ran a, um, or I did a triathlon, like a mini, like local thing. Got it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that. Yeah. We'll skip that. That's not running. That's <laughs> like biking and swimming and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah so a different sport. I, totally. Totally. So I, I just kind of feel like, I don't know. I just want to like sign up for a big one. Um, but I know. What is it about the hundred? I mean, it's a hundred miles. I think I'm, I'm very intrigued with the mental part of it. I think I would do very well with just being like telling myself, like, you're going to freaking do this. Um, and, and, and maybe not, maybe I'm going to fail. I don't know. That's exciting too. But, um, I, yeah, I just think it's really cool to, to, and I recognize that ultra marathoning is all it, it's, you know, about staying on your feet, being very mentally strong, fueling correctly, um, and just working through the hours. And so that, that challenge is really exciting, right? Cause like we can run fast and do like halves and marathons and stuff, but the ultra is just like a survival race and that's, it's a survival adventure. So that's cool. I think that's really awesome. Um, so we'll see. Bob, Uncle Bob wants me to do the way too cool 50K. Um, wait, is it 50K or 50? Is it 50 miles? 50K. 50K, yeah. No, it's a, it's a 50K. Um, that one is a blast. The community is incredible and it's such a low key event. And then they give you um, frog cupcakes at the end of it. Oh. Yeah, it was his. <laughs> so that was his first one. So he was like, you know, you, Got can, it. you can hold it. But you know what? the reason why I have to keep marathoning is because I have to beat his PR, which I think is like a 303, 302. So I'm on that quest first and then, <laughs> and then we'll attack the ultras. But I think I would love to go to Western States. Um, I would love to just, I just feel like I would be just good. I feel, especially now with all the strength I've done, I feel pretty resilient. I, I, dabbled in a little trail stuff. And from an agility standpoint, I do very well. The trails in Connecticut are very technical and gross. And I think it's been great training. You know, while we don't have vertical, we've got lots of rocks and roots and it's been any trail runner in Connecticut can understand that going for a 60 minute trail run is exhausting because you're mentally just (laughs) like step, 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 step. And it's, it's very hard. So and Connecticut, I mean, like Northeast. I I don't know how the, your trails are, but they're just they're tough. So, um, so yeah, I would love to do the the big ones, and then Western states just seems like a nice little ribbon on the whole thing. You got to get out to one and inspect it. Well, yeah, when it, when it's po- when possible, but it's the coolest environment. If you know, for someone who loves a community as much as you do, um. You know, a marathon's cool to watch, but being at an aid station of an ultra in the later stages of the race is, you see some stuff and, and it's incredible. Have you crewed for anyone? Um, I have. 
and I crewed at um, Run Rabbit, which is in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's a hundred miler. And then I've spectated Western States once and was planning to be out there again this year. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I think that's where I should talk to uncle Bob and, and volunteer to crew his next thing. But I like, that's how new I am to the whole thing. I've dabbled in these local things, um, these local trail races and know that I love the trails, but, um, I'm ready to commit to something. I think probably, you know, long-term that's where I see myself the most. Awesome. Uh, what are you scared of? Uh, for a long time, I said I was scared of failure and I think I probably still am, but, um, what I'm trying to work on is not being scared of that and knowing that the more times we put ourselves into uncomfortable situations and have uncomfortable conversations, the less we fail, the more we learn. Um, so we're getting there. Um, I get overwhelmed with um, not having enough time on my plate to do things. Uh, I'm not, not, sorry, not having enough time in my day to do things that are on my plate. Um, I really want to be a good mom to Eli, my son, and I'm nervous. I like I wouldn't say this is what I'm most afraid of, but um, I'm I'm very conscious of how how much I work and. Um, you know, I, I want him to look up to me and not have, and to have a mom that's present, not a mom that's constantly on her devices. Um, so that's something that like is very, I'm very conscious about. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I I don't think I'm like scared. Like I'm not, I'm not scared. Um, I, I think I, I do for sure have some insecurities. Um, but in the, like I, I'm just, I try to be pragmatic and logical about most situations. So things that do scare me and things where, um, I'm, you know, feeling uneasy and insecure, I try to use reason and, um, and if all else fails, take some CBD <laughs> <laughs> and go for a run. I mean, um, go for a run. Yeah. So the the aspect of balance is one that's um fascinating and it's also one that I like to to talk about on this podcast there there have been two explanations of it that have stood out the first was Magda Boulay who said uh I don't think that I need to be balanced I think that I need to focus on the things that matter to me most and if you know her her son her husband her dog her employees her training those are like the pillars of what she cares most about and everything else is um it's great if it gets done but it doesn't need to be done and then lindsay kraus who is on a couple episodes ago explained it uh like a triangle and so in theory you want everything to be you know equilateral but Sometimes that's not the case. And what you don't want is is for, and she did a much better job of explaining it than I do. So please go back to, actually, I think I have the quote right here. Um, never mind, I don't. Um, so she she basically explained it saying, sometimes, you know, you you focus more on one one aspect. Like if you're marathon training, the running portion of of your triangle where it's, running work and life being the three sides. Sometimes the running skews further, but if it goes too far, the triangle collapses and that's what you want to avoid. So um, again, please go back and listen to that episode if you're listening to this because uh, she did a much better job explaining it than I did. But anyway, I want to know what what is balance for you and and how do you ensure that um, Eli and Gabe and, and the other pieces of your life that are... Uh, very important to you how you know get the attention that that you want to give i used to really think balance was achievable <laughs> and it was something i preached and i was like yeah balance is key and i yeah i don't think it's a thing um but i do believe i'm more on the um the magna boulet sense of like i my pre like i have my pillars my pillars are my 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 family my son my husband 
my training, my work, and sleep. Um, I would also go on to say that I think that um, there's seasons of where we're at. And I think like that's kind of where I'm, I've been like gravitating towards lately where, um, listen, if we've got a race, we're going to ramp up the training and I might not be able to put Eli to bed every single night. You know, I might need to split that with Gabe and, um, and Eli's my son and Gabe is my husband. So, um, and, and that's my season. That's my, like, you know, my three weeks, four weeks leading up to a marathon. That's where it gets really hairy. Um, but that season doesn't last forever. And so being able to be flexible through the seasons is something that I believe more in, I think now where it's like, you know, the season. So like, I'll use myself for an example, had a baby. The first season was survival, you know, was like keeping him alive, keeping me alive, keeping my husband sane, like keeping us all together as a family unit and um, learning how to you know, nurture this new life. And then came, oh, mom can start having some more free time. Well, I'll add in a few days a week. And that was a nice season too, where like the season was still about survival, but then I could add in a couple extra things. And then over time, it turned into like, all right, my baby's a little older. Now this season is more about growing and developing myself because I can balance. I'm better at, at, I'm better at the momming thing now. You know what I mean? Like I know how to, how to make this little human survive. So I'm going to shift a little bit. So I, so this concept of seasons, it's always evolving. I think as users of this concept, we need to be able to uh, like have honest evaluations as to how we're performing in each season and like how we're able to achieve the tasks that we're trying to. Um, like I would say right now I'm in a season uh, well god covid <gasps> we're back in survival um but <laughs> like and, and to just be honest just get through it yeah just get through it yeah um to be honest it it this season has been about teamwork with Gabe and like you know giving him time to do his work and having me play with the baby and then him having Eli and then having me being being able to do work and training like basically going through the season of team um so you know it, this this season will change in two or three months so i think being open to the the fact that balance is not necessarily something we should strive for but more so being open to having these changes and like being really working as hard as we can and being open to having that change in a couple months. And, and, and then if we're sucking, like if we are just not happy and to like zone out and be like, all right, well, what's making me suck in this situation? Like, am I not prioritize? Am I spending too much time on social media? Am I, um, am I not focused enough? Am I spending too much time training? Do I need to reel that in? You know what I mean? And having an honest approach at our behavior um, so we can make t- tangible actions is the whole point. And that's just like how you progress forward. If you can take a look at an honest look at how your performance is, is going. Um, and, and you do have to be very, and like some people will have a, a mentor or a coach or whatever, or even a, a spouse that they can do this with. Um, like being able to take that type of feedback and then make some type of action from it is really important because otherwise we're just kind of going to be stuck in this, cycle of whatever we're in, whether that's good or bad. I don't know if that made sense. It definitely did. No, the seasonality of it is, I think, a really good way to look at it. Like, it's not going to be like this forever. And you go, you, it's like the pendulum swings far one way and Mm -hmm. then it swings far another way. And then it's back and forth. Um, I love that. One other question I had, uh, and you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times, social media. Um, You've got a a pretty strong following, pretty engaged following on social media. So I want to know, like, how how do you how do you fit that aspect into your day to day with the brands you partner with and with the work that you do, and how how your own personal social media supports uh, your professional development? Social media has always been a hobby of mine, and um, it's. When I ran, actually, when I ran my first marathon in 2010, that's where It's a Marathon started. (laughs) 
Um, I was raising money for um, a summer camp that I used to go to and later worked at when I was a kid. Um, and I wanted my friends and family to be looped in with how my training was going. So I started a blog and a, a Instagram wasn't a thing yet. I started Twitter and um, I never went through the personal, like I never had just like a generic Mary account. It was always, it's a marathon. And in the beginning before like Instagramming about running was cool. I used to be really embarrassed by it. <laughs> People would be like, Oh, what's your Twitter? I'd be like, uh, it's not important. Like <laughs> I don't have one now. It's cool. So I'm like, yeah, it's a marathon. Um, but anyway, I think, um, that concept of maintaining it, it, it's obviously evolved to more than just a hobby. Um, but I think that is part of the equation of, of mine, my equation that I do struggle with because it's important. It's made me fantastic connections and friends. Um, I struggle with consumption and like getting frustrated at the quality that I see and I'm, I try to back away and not get too ramped up. Um, cause it's just, it's overwhelming the amount of information and the amount of shitty information. Um, so on, on days like that, I try to just remember that I'm on it for happiness, for entertainment, um, to send my message about my training, training tips, motivation, and to connect with great people. That's it. Um, and to learn. Um, there are for sure some fantastic accounts um, that I've learned and I've made connections with those people too. And I continue to learn from them. So um, the brand partnership and that that aspect um, from a time perspective is those are the nights I don't sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's not because, because social media is not my job. Um, it, it, it isn't really part of my time budgeting equation, if that makes sense. Um, I don't have like a content calendar. I don't plan out what I'm doing. I just put it out there. And, um, that's what I've always done. And maybe if I planned it, I would have 20,000 more followers. I don't know, but I don't care. And I'm, I'm satisfied with how things go. And I, you know, I keep it true to who I am and what I do. And that's really the intention behind it. And if I, you know, I've had a partnership with Momentus, the protein brand this, this past year, I shouldn't just say protein. They have more than just protein. Um, and that came out of social media. And that has been an incredible blessing because I support the brand. I It's been really great working with them. Um, and it's been a really cool experience. So I guess that is an argument against what I'm saying. It is kind of my job. Um, but, but yeah, I think um, at, in case you couldn't tell, I'm still struggling with that part of my identity. And it's a big identity, so I should probably figure it out. Um, but but yeah, I think that the real resonating answer is that my I see myself as a professional as, and as a coach. And if Instagram blew up tomorrow, I want to be able to be a damn good coach and a damn good professional and focus on my career and a and and be good at my job. Um, and that is as a fitness professional, as a running coach, and that's it. So you know, who knows, like TikTok's next. Like, I don't know how the heck to do that stuff. Like, I'm not dancing on this platform. Like I'm probably <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to go dance and do things like that. So I'm, I'm like, it's a marathon is going to die in 2020. Um, but yeah, so that, that is a long winded way of saying, um, social media is fantastic. Um, and it's got its highs, it's got its lows for me. It's been, it's opened really cool opportunities. It's made, you know, it's made left from perform become gain exposure and traction and that I cannot, you know, deny at all. Um, but at the end of the day, like my focus is being a damn good coach. Awesome. Before we go, what's one thing you wish people knew about you? Mm. <laughs> oh, gosh. I've said a lot of things today that I've never said out loud. So 
Um, so the answer is go back and listen and, uh, and you'll <laughs> learn some things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> People have said lefty. like I play piano or. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a lefty. I don't know if anyone knows that. I'm a lefty uh-huh. and I'm five nine. I think, I think a lot of people know that I'm tall, but you don't know I'm a lefty. There you go. There we go. Cool. Where can we find you um, if we haven't listened to the last 10 minutes? Uh, I am It's a Marathon on Instagram. Uh, my website is it's a marathon.com. My business is liftrunperform.com. And then, of course, liftrunperform on Instagram. And you can email me anytime. Say hi. It's just mary at liftrunperform.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you. It was nice chatting. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.